0: The scripture reading for today is from Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me, up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold... Was brought to him, and since he wasn't able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: In the 1960s, a young man named Michael Wilkins was sent off to fight in a war that most people didn't believe in, the Vietnam War. While he was there, he struggled like most soldiers do, but part of his struggle was an obsession, an obsession that he had, which was growing hatred toward his stepfather. His stepfather had been abusive to him, to his mother, and to his siblings. And as the obsessive anger continued to increase, he made a vow in the jungles of Vietnam that when he returned to the United States, on the day he saw his stepfather, that day he would kill him. He made it out of the war, returned to the United States, and within one year, had made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Four years later, he was at home with his wife and very young daughter. There was a knock on the door, and his wife went to answer it, and there was a man standing there she'd never seen who introduced himself as the stepfather of Michael. Being the kind-hearted person she was, she invited him in. He came in and sat on the couch. And Michael and his wife talked to him. And near the end of the conversation, Michael said, I remembered my vow. He said, I stood up And I said to him, I made a vow in Vietnam. I made a vow that the first time I ever saw your face, on that day I would kill you. And I guess that's this day. He said, I'll never forget the look on his face. It was terror. He was sweating and he continued to slump in the couch. And after a long pause, Michael said to him, But I can't. I can't because I've become a Christian. And I realize that I'm no better than you. And I realize that Christ has forgiven me so much. I can't hold unforgiveness in my heart toward you. He said, I don't want you to think this is coming out of weakness. Because I'll never let you hurt my family again, but I must forgive you because Christ has forgiven me. That's a powerful story. It's one of many that I read this week, and I just chose that one to share with you. It illustrates the fourth lesson on the way to the cross. We've chosen three others before now. Today's lesson is that if you're going to be a Christ follower, forgiveness is essential. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option among many. It's mandatory. It's a mandate from Jesus. The elements of the story you've already heard. A parable. A parable that talks about a king who had a servant that owed him a great debt. The servant who owed him a great debt, it's, it's hard to calculate what that debt might have been if we translate it into our contemporary American dollars, but scholars try to do that. And some suggest that the number adds up to two and a half billion dollars. You can see the extreme nature of the debt. You can see the point of Jesus' parable. There's no possibility that this servant could pay it back. So he falls face down in front of the king and begs for mercy. And the king has mercy on him. He pities him. And he forgives him all his debt. And of course, this servant, fresh on that forgiveness, walks out and grabs another servant, literally by the throat, to choke him and says, pay what you owe me. You know how much he owed compared in dollar amounts to the debt that was forgiven by the king? Remember the king forgave Two and a half billion dollars. This servant's servant owed four thousand, comparatively speaking. Incredible contrast. There are some problems with this parable. If you haven't seen them, let me raise them for you. Here's the first problem. It's you and me. We're interpreters, right? And so we take parables, which are, for the most part, as we understand it, fictional stories that Jesus used to craft and make an illustrated point. We don't know the king. It's likely this particular king, under these particular circumstances, did not exist. Jesus is telling a story. And because we believe in the Scripture, sometimes we look at those parables and we want to make an exact parallel to every part of the parable into each part of our lives. As good as this might seem, it does create problems. Because when Jesus told a parable, he didn't intend for every single line of the parable to be an exact parallel to your life. He meant for you to understand a huge lesson. So let's understand the huge lesson and not get so bogged down in some of the minutia. The second problem that appears in this parable, even if we are to ask what is the main point, The problem is, it appears, according to this parable, that we must somehow earn our forgiveness. Did you see that? If you don't forgive your brother, I'm not going to forgive you. An extreme application of this principle seems to imply that forgiveness is based on our own good deeds our merit, our goodness. That's a problem, isn't it? Why is it a problem? Because we know that the nature of the gospel, Jesus' messages and the epistles in the New Testament go in an entirely different direction. They speak of unconditional forgiveness that comes from God to us through Jesus Christ. They don't tell us that we have to earn our way by being perfect in order to achieve something The point is, we're not perfect, and we're given unconditional forgiveness. So surely the parable doesn't mean that. There's another problem with the parable that you may have seen. It seems to suggest, though it doesn't really, it seems to suggest that any circumstance of unforgiveness on our part towards a brother or a sister is enough to cancel the forgiveness of God that has been demonstrated in our life. In other words, if I'm angry with you for something you've done, and that anger turns into unforgiveness, at that point, I lose the forgiveness of God. But this too seems to be an extreme application of a parable. Why? Well, let's just Be honest. If that was true, wouldn't you all be in jeopardy? If that was true, is there anyone here who's willing to raise their hands and say, I deserve forgiveness? You know there's no one. So surely the parable can't mean that. So what is the main point of the parable? What is the issue that Jesus is trying to get at? Well, it's a really serious point. George MacDonald made a comment about forgiveness that's just biting. It almost sounds a little bit like Jesus. And here's the edited version. George MacDonald said, it may be worse not to forgive than to murder. Because murder may be an impulse in the heat of a moment. Whereas unforgiveness is a cold and deliberate choice of the heart. So what does the parable mean? It means you can't live that way. It doesn't mean if you don't forgive in that moment, you lose your forgiveness. It means you've been called by God to forgive because you've been forgiven so much. So do not live in unforgiveness. If you literally say to God when challenged to forgive another... I will not forgive. I don't want to talk about it anymore. God, you've heard my final answer. To say so demonstrates a number of things. But one of them is that you don't understand the forgiveness that's been offered from God. The proof of your understanding of the deep forgiveness that's been offered to you by God, the proof of that understanding is to forgive others. Therein lies the proof. Therein lies the depths of your understanding. Another thing that this parable signifies is that God, and this is a difficult part of the parable, God will hold us accountable for our lack of forgiveness. You notice how severe it is? The parable says the person who was the unforgiving servant was thrown into jail to be tortured until he paid it all. Could he have paid it all? No. Eternal torment? Perhaps. But before we rush to a conclusion concerning eternal torment and the lack of forgiveness in our hearts, which all of us have, let's remind ourselves of something. Sometimes we think of the punishment of God as being purely punitive. That is, you have done something, so God's going to come down on you with a punishment. But it's just as often the case that Scripture teaches that your punishment for sin is sin itself. That is to say, your punishment for unforgiveness could be God is going to turn you over to your unforgiveness to live under the weight of it, the bitterness of it, the gall of it. And that will be a living hell on earth for the rest of your life if you do not forgive. The main point is this. Don't refuse to forgive. You've been forgiven much. So let's get practical, shall we, right here at the end. And let's ask the question of what forgiveness looks like. The first thing, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Any psychologist would tell you that suppressed memories are not a good idea. As a matter of fact, to forgive and forget, as the old adage goes, seems to imply that you forget the offense against you, you dismiss it, and you move on with your life, and that's the end of it. It's not the end of it, my friends. First of all, if you take that approach, you haven't even understood the depth of forgiveness. Because you've just... Dismiss the offense. Second, if you take that approach, the suppressed memories that are deep within you are going to come back to bite you over and over again. They will fester up like a sore that cannot be cured. They'll affect your life. Furthermore, if you're dismissive and you think forgiveness is just forgetting... In reality, what's happening is you are not giving yourself the opportunity to be self reflective. If you examine the offense, if you embrace the reality of the offense, if you refuse to dismiss it from your memory, you may find out a lot of things, not just about the offender, but about you. You may find out in reflection that you shouldn't have been offended. You may find among those reflective moments that as a matter of fact, you're an overly sensitive soul. You may find out all kinds of things. You may find out that what happened to you, even though it was an offense, touched something deeper within you that you had no knowledge of. So forgetting is not helpful. Processing the offense certainly is. And in the process of that, Forgiving the sin is essential. The second thing, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not mean returning to the abuser. I could go on, but I think you know what I mean. It doesn't mean I forgive you. Now I'm going to live under the weight of your abuse for the rest of my life. Forgive and take the opportunity to move away from the abuse. Third, forgiveness is this. It's a giving up of our rights. Why? Because we have the right to be angry. We've been sinned against. As a matter of fact, we have the right to expect that the scales will be balanced. Because we've been wronged. We see that in our legal system and it's perfectly fine. But forgiveness is actually giving up that right. And forgiveness, furthermore, means that you turn vengeance or justice over to God. You're saying in forgiveness, God, I am turning this person over to You. You do with him as You choose. You punish her as You may. You forgive her as You've forgiven me. But I'm not going to hold it any longer. I'm turning it over to You. Or to put it in the words of Paul in Romans 12, vengeance is up to God. God will repay Turn it over to God. Another thing that, vengeance, or excuse me, that forgiveness is and this is the most beautiful, my friends the most beautiful part of forgiveness. When you truly forgive from your heart, you break the cycle of bitterness and revenge. If you continue to be angry and unforgiving towards the one who has sinned against you, how much do you think it hurts him or her? Probably not at all. The person who really hurts is you. You're tormented on the inside because of not forgiving. it does something else. Your lack of forgiveness affects and sometimes destroys the relationships that are around you. Those that you love most. Let me put it very straightly. If I as a father hold on to bitterness and anger over someone who has offended or sinned against me. It cannot help but affect my wife and my children. I cannot make my reaction an external reality. It's that guy out there that I'm angry at, not you. It won't work, my friends. It poisons the world that you live in. You're in a cycle of vengeance and anger and unforgiveness. And it festers and it affects everybody that you love. Let me put it another way. Does your four-year-old child deserve that? Of course they don't. then it's time to forgive. Well, what's the practical application? First, let me invite you, if you haven't already, to experience the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ. Let me invite you right here, right now, in your heart, by faith, to turn to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm full of sin and bitterness. Please forgive me. My friends, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to begin to understand the depth of God's forgiveness. It's all it takes to receive eternal life. And I invite you to do it. I also want to tell you that we're always ready to talk to you following the worship service. If you want to take that step or if you just want to pray with one member of staff or the other or an elder about the lack of forgiveness that's in your heart. So, here's the real practical application. As I conclude in prayer... I will begin with a a protracted amount of silence. And during that silence, I want you to look for a face. I'm pretty confident somebody's face is going to emerge. A face of someone that you need to forgive. And then promise to do it. And like the disciple who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to forgive, but I can't without your help. And then next week, take the first step. Just one person. Start small. I also want to be honest with you. I did this in the first service. And I saw a face. And by the time I preach next Sunday, I will have asked that person to please forgive me for my unforgiveness. Will you join me and do the same? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we could be overwhelmed with this parable and overwhelmed with this this assignment. There may be many, many people we need to forgive, but Lord, just give us the grace to begin small and to focus on one and to follow you. And then allow that act of forgiveness to renew in our hearts a deep understanding of the forgiveness we've received from You. And we pray, Lord, that it will not be um, just a one-time occasion, but it will create for us a new way of life that you will help us to forgive others as, as you've forgiven us. We thank you, Lord, for the ability to confess our sins and to know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we trust you. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.